0: Holy Hour of Power. I love it. <laughs> hey, Happy that. Holy New Year's Amen. and ha- Happy Octave of Christmas. Terry, you know what? It's, it's Every year that passes by, yeah. it's one It's one year closer to the second coming of Christ you and one year closer to my homecoming. Yep. So it's a celebration for me.
1: That's right, brother. I love it. Well, for those who aren't <laughs> watching on YouTube, or uh, Jesse's got a <laughs> Happy New Year hat on, and uh, that's why I'm laughing because... Uh, I'm just uh, as happy as he are as he is because we know that life is short and eternity is forever. That's
0: right. Jesse, I'm preparing for homecoming. Of course. I'm prepared for homecoming.
1: Of <laughs> course. <laughs> hey, t- today, this is the last day of the year for a broadcast. We've got Thomas of Beckett's feast day. What an appropriate feast day. We'll talk about that. Damn. Also, just putting things in perspective, you know, sometimes it's good at the end of the year to look at our own assessments of how we're following Christ. Are we getting closer to him? Are we getting further away? What can we do to get closer mm. to Christ? We're going to talk about that and much more. Also, give a perspective in the church right now. We, we've we been talking about the challenges of the pontificate of Pope Francis because of the ambiguity. But, you know, we have an article on papal errors of the past, and uh, the past show the ridiculousness well of the yeah, spin-doctoring of the pope. In other words... We don't have to defend the Pope for making bad decisions. We really don't. Uh, What we need to do is pray for him, that's for sure. I don't hear enough of that, personally. We hear a lot of that over here at Virgin Most Powerful. So we're going to talk about that. Also, Jesse, you got a great article coming. I'm just going to tease people about our Blessed Mother here in California, which I missed, but Jesse somehow picked it up, so that's good. And then the most important thing, we're going to talk, in my opinion, how do we evangelize your family. You know, in other words, our kids have to be countercultural. How do we do that today in the culture that we're living in? And even in the environment in the church, we've got to stay focused on Jesus Christ. And if the church is not supporting that in one area, then we just say, okay, we're going to do that. Because I'm going to be honest with you, Jesse, this statistic pains me to have to say it. 90% of all the kids in the last 50 years that have gone to Catholic school are not practicing their faith. That's just a fact. Now, how do we make sure that doesn't happen with our kids? By not counting on the church to catechize your, church, your your kids. You have to do it, Mom and Dad. And we're going to talk about that in the last segment. But Jesse, uh, good to know file. I heard good news from Rome about um, the uh, Holy Father and the Congregation of Doctor Faith saying something that I think is important. What did they announce just recently?
0: Terry, They've they've told the bishops yeah. that they don't have to enforce the document Fiducia supplicans. That's good they news. don't have to enforce it. It's uh, he's going to the 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 Holy See is going to leave it on a case by case basis to each individual bishop. And the reason for that, Terry, oh, yeah, pushback, is because there was incredible pushback. Oh, yeah, oh. I think like 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 a Pope has never seen before ever.
1: No, I in my lifetime and, I've never seen anything like it.
0: And so the concession was made that, uh, you know what, it's kind of a, a, a pointless document. You don't have to enforce it. Uh, every bishop can decide on them for themselves. So, in other words, nobody's going to get canceled for not enforcing this document. Yeah,
1: and that's and that's good. And I want to thank all those bishops who had the guts and priests. I've been reading and listening to sermons saying, "Look, I can't, I can't compromise." And you know, just that's going to be tying into St. Uh, Beckett, today that we have this feast. Day. I, it seems to me like he had a similar situation. So he's a great patron saint for all of us in the church. Any other uh good to know file?
0: Uh, Thomas Beckett, uh, that, that's the good news oh, file. Let's, let me talk about him. Okay, do it. Yeah. Okay, do it. Thomas Beckett, he's the Archbishop of Canterbury. He was murdered in his own cathedral in wow. 1170 AD during the celebration of Mass. Can you believe that? That guy went straight to heaven. Soon after his death, there were reports of miracles at his grave and he was canonized only two years after his death. Wow! Uh, So here's what happened. Thomas Beckett was born in England uh, and he was, uh, his his dad was a sheriff of London. He studied at Merton Priory uh, uh, in in Surrey, London. He studied law in London as well. Mm -hmm. Continued his education in in Paris. But here's what got him in trouble. Is that he became an archbishop and he was uh, he was so pleased with with uh, the, the king was so pleased with Thomas's service that he eventually named him archdeacon of the cathedral. And at some point he met and became friends with young King Henry the second. Yep. As a as a seal of their friendship, Henry named Thomas his chancellor. Later, when Archbishop Theobald died, King Henry appointed Thomas to replace him as the archbishop. At first, Thomas declined because he feared that it would damage their relationship, but he finally relented and accepted. At the time, he was only a deacon, so he first uh, had to be ordained a priest, then an archbishop. Then he took the appointment as the archbishop of Canterbury. Wow. So uh, King Henry kind of regretted the decision to give this position to his friend because Thomas proved to be quite a thorn in the side of the king because he kept defending the church's teachings, yep. and and Thomas took his duties very seriously. And began fasting and praying. He even secretly wore a hair shirt and practiced other forms of mortification as well. Wow. But King Henry was a modern monarch who wanted to have complete control over everything (laughs) and everyone in his domain. Sounds like the guy in Washington. (laughs) Including the clergy. And Thomas resisted. Uh, Things became so uncomfortable between the two that Thomas ended up having to flee to England. Uh, Like a lot of bishops we know that have to flee their diocese. They tried to reconcile their differences many times but in vain, but King Henry, he made things worse when he arranged for the coronation of his son by the Archbishop of York, and he allowed barons to have property that belonged to the See of Canterbury. And finally, in the summer of 1170, King Henry and Thomas met on the beach in Normandy and tried to make amends. Uh, Thomas returned to Canterbury where crowds of people greeted him enthusiastically, but there was no true peace. The underlying conflicts between both of them continued, and King Henry was still stewing about the excommunication of several of his friends by the archbishop. And Thomas knew that King Henry was still very upset. Uh, and he told the congregation that he may he may not be with, with them much longer. And that's exactly what happened. He was killed in his cathedral uh, by henchmen of King Henry.
1: Yeah, well, you know, he's a great example for us for not compromising when it comes to our faith, Jess.
0: Yeah, as he was dying, they were cutting him up with swords. Terry and as Saint Thomas Becket was dying. You know what he said? No, tell me. Into thy hands, Lord, I commend my spirit. Just Psalm like thirty-one. Just like our Lord. Just like, Just like our, our Lord. Lord. Psalm thirty-one, verse five. That's the way I have to. I
1: have to remember that. That's a great way Saint, to die. Saint, huh,
0: Saint Thomas Becket, pray, pray for, for us. Pray for us. All right. Well, let's get the good news of soul food. If you got the gospel. Speak, Lord. When the days were completed for their purification, Luke chapter two, verse twenty-two. Yeah. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he came, before he had seen the Christ of the Lord. He came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform the custom of the law in regard to him, he took him into his arms and blessed God, saying, Now let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. My own eyes have seen the salvation which you have prepared in the sight of of every people a light to reveal you to the nations, and the glory of your people Israel. The child's f- father and mother were amazed at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them and said to his mo- "To Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be contradicted, and you yourself a sword will pierce, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed, the gospel of the Lord.
1: Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
0: I'll make it quick. I'll give you a liber, liber crystal homily here, or, or exegesis. <laughs> I love it. Father Chad Ripperger, he's been teaching this for about 20 years, and he learned this from the tradition of the church. He said, everybody is dealing with some type of debe- defect or imperfection, as a res, or disorder as a result of our concupiscence. And some people are dealing with generational defects that come from generational spirits that come from the fathers all the way down the family line. So Father Ripperger says, if you want to know what, what defect God wants you to work on or what generational demon your family may be dealing with, he said, pray for nine days straight. We call that a novena. Pray to Our Lady of Sorrows. You can get the novena from the internet pray for nine days, asking her, my lady, teach me my defect and teach me the the generational spirits that may be in my family. When you pray the nine day novena, the novena also what it does, uh, our lady starts driving the demon out that's affecting you. Maybe you got the demon of lust and you don't know it. You got it from your father who who slept around with 40 prostitutes. I I don't know. Maybe you got that demon, that spirit that was transferred over to you. And so Father Ripperger says, the nine-day novena, our lady will not only reveal to you your defect and imperfection, but she'll start giving you the graces to block the demons uh, from afflicting you and give you the graces to overcome that vice. So that's... uh, todays ex- today 's little explanation
1: great advice when we come back we're going to get Bishop Sheen and his comment about the New Testament. This is something I want to recommend We've got a new year coming uh, read uh, one of the gospels, whether it's Matthew, Luke or any of the gospels you can read for the new year and review you that also Jesse, what you just taught, Father Chad, I was watching his video he has an hour and a half video on how to be how to pray better and it's a fantastic I've listened to it several times, and I started again this morning while I was having breakfast, and man, I was like, I need to hear this on like more often because...
0: Terry, it's because he's a Thomist, and what he's done yeah, what? is he's realized that, that we've got to go back to the teachings of the great Dr. St. Amen. Thomas Aquinas. That's,
1: that's a great message. Stay with us. We'll be right back, Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. I say it every day of my life. I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, Jess Romero, Terry Barber, we'd be billionaires, I'll tell you. Jesse, I want to bring the smartest guy into the room right now. Oh, seen ahead. This is so appropriate. He says about the New Testament, Christ is living now. He is teaching now. He's governing now. He's sanctifying now, as he did in Judea and Galilee, his mystical body or the church existed throughout the Roman Empire before a single one of the Gospels had been written. It was the New Testament that came out of the church, not the church, which came out of the New Testament. When I share that with people, many times people say, "You know I never knew that, I never thought about that. You're right." Are you kidding me? Yes, it was it was we, that's why I keep saying what Bishop Strickland tells us, Jesse. Yeah. We have to become first century Christians again.
0: Yeah. Amen.
1: Yep. Okay, let's hit it.
0: Good stuff, Terry. Good stuff. Okay. Hey, uh, there's a well-written article by Dr. Ed Fazer. It'll mm-hmm. be it will be worth reading on your own. We, we could just give you some of the highlights. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's the uh the article's called Papal Errors of the Past Showed the Ridiculousness of spin doctoring the Pope, yeah. so let me let me give you an overview. Yeah, please do, Jesse. He he names probably about a dozen popes. Yeah, and he shows showing with 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 academic encyclopedic precision yep. that there have been popes that have misspoke in the past. Oh yeah. Again, they're not because these are these these are not ex catheter statements. Nope, and so it, it's. Let me just read what Dr. Fazer says, uh, but on all the popes, you can read them on your own, uh, all the particular posts, because that's too long. Yeah. He says, short of binding the church to heresy, it is possible for a pope to do grave harm to the church. Yep. As Cardinal Ratzinger once said when asked whether the Holy Spirit plays a role in the election of popes. Here's what Cardinal Ratzinger said. I love this answer. I would, not say, I would not say so in the sense that the Holy Spirit picks out the Pope because there are too many contrary instances of Popes the Holy Spirit would obviously not have picked. <laughs> I would say that the Spirit does not exactly take control of the affair, but rather, like a good educator as it were, leaves us much space, much freedom, without entirely abandoning us. Thus, the spirit's role should be understood in a much more elastic sense, not that he dictates the candidate for whom one must vote. Probably, the only assurance he offers is that one thing cannot be is that one thing cannot be totally ruined. Uh, close quote. And then he gives examples of popes who have erred in the past, in some instances, in extremely serious ways. And here's the popes that he quotes. Yeah. St. Peter. Yep. Pope St. Victor I, who lived in one, uh, died in 198 uh, A.D. Pope St. Marcellinus died in 304 A.D. Pope Liberius died in 366 A.D. Pope Honorius I died 638 A.D. Mm-hmm. Pope Stephen VI died 897 A.D. Uh, Pope John the Twelfth died 964 A.D. Mm -hmm. pope benedict the ninth died uh 1048 a.d pope john the 22nd died uh uh, 1334 a.d pope urban the sixth died 1389 a.d pope alexander the sixth died 1503 a.d uh pope leo the 10th Died 1521 A.D. I just want to say about those last two popes that he has in the chart.
1: Especially with Leo, because this is an important one.
0: Yeah, this one right here, Luther lived at the time of Pope Leo and Pope Alexander VI. That's right. Luther was a Catholic priest, and when he saw the, the, the scandalous behavior of these two popes, this was in part, what lit the fuse for Luther? Oh yeah, because he lived under two horrible popes, back to back, yeah. and 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 he was already dealing with with scrupulosity. Mm-hmm. You you even have German Lutheran historians that that's say right. that that's a fact that right. he had he and a lot of Terry, you know a lot of good Catholics. You sure. get emails mm-hmm. they they tell you. Terry, huh? Everything's I went to confession yesterday yeah. and I looked at a billboard for three seconds today. Terry, am I going to go to hell? Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Terry, you and I get emails. See, once a Catholic has a conversion, a lot of them become scrupulous. Yes. And it becomes a mental disorder. Yeah. Luther was scrupulous. Yeah. And not only that. He had the. He, he lived under two horrible papacies. Yep. This lit the fuse was for for his rebellious his rebellion okay. that we call that history calls the Protestant uh, Reformation that we call the Protestant deformation. Terry,
1: yeah, and Jesse, you nailed it because in one sense we see it happening, uh, and I'm just being honest with you. I, I I'll just give you an example, and we'll talk later on this. But example, a bad example really does affect lots of people in the church, and it drives them out of the church. It shouldn't, but it does. And this is where, you know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And this is how we as Catholics have to be to bring these people back home. But you know what, Jesse? This article is worth gold. I'm going to put it in my good file that says I'm hanging on to this and because it's a a topic that a lot of people come up. Just yesterday when I was at the park with my grandson, uh, a gentleman, you know, probably 38, 40 years of age with his kids, said that uh, I used to be Catholic because I talk to everybody at the park. I try to evangelize every time I'm there. And the guy said, I left the Catholic church because of the uh, molestations that were going on at my parish. And uh, I was, you know, it was it was scandalous. And so what did he do? He came to, he started his own religion, basically of Old Testament Christian. And he was telling me everything about, you know, uh, uh, crazy things about his religion. But my point is, if he would have been catechized as a youngster this would have not happened so this is why it's critical that we understand the perspective of church history when it comes to popes just what do you think we had maybe 18 19 popes out of the 266 that we would consider uh scandalous in the sense of either they lived immoral lives or they just were uh teaching things that they shouldn't be teaching.
0: Uh, Dr. Peter Krasniewski, he has another article that I saved. Yeah. He's got 21.
1: Okay, 21.
0: Yeah. So he's got, he's got 11 sexually immoral popes. Okay. And 10 that taught things that were, uh, <laughs> that were definitely uh, not consistent with the deposit of faith. 10. And so that's why we shouldn't
1: be scandalized.
0: Today. That's only twenty one out of two hundred and sixty six. It's,
1: it's about twelve percent, right? Thirteen percent.
0: It's like, it's one out of thirteen is, is 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 bad.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And how many? Look at the apostles. Jesus chose twelve. That's right. Paul was added, number thirteen. Yep. So one out of thirteen. Judas was bad. Consistent. we're batting the same average as the early church. Right. One out of thirteen popes has turned out to be pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, Here is something else. He quotes Carl Adam. I think it's worth mentioning. Um,
1: you know, this is he says book he wrote in what the spirit of Catholicism.
0: Yeah, yeah. He yeah. he He quotes him. He says, yeah. "The men through whom God's revelation is mediated on earth yeah. are by are by the law of their being conditioned by the limitations of their aid." Oh, there you go. Yeah, and they are conditioned also by the limitations mm-hmm. of their individuality. Yep. Yeah. Their particular temperament. Oh, yeah. And the grace of Christ. Uh, I, I, t- mentality and character are bound to color and do color the manner in which they dispense the truth of the grace of Christ. Can I just... Now, yeah, go ahead, Jesse. Well, yeah. we know one thing that Pope Francis, he's kind of a hot-headed well, Argentinian. Well, let me just say this, I'm, I'm saying it respectfully. Okay, he his, is. His he is, superior.
1: Terry. Just so you know, his superior for the Jesuits, for him... When it was talked about him becoming a bishop, the superior said exactly what you just said. Don't do it because he's got a temper. He's got a temperament that's not going to be good for the church. But, of course, they didn't take him. And,
0: and Terry, and the popes bring that temperament into the papacy. Grace builds the Holy on Spirit nature. doesn't take it away. No. Yeah, and so we see, Terry, we've had 32 bishops and priests yeah. that have been exiled or canceled by pope francis yeah. because of his temperament mm-hmm. that 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 is uh, that is disordered yeah the article says quoting carl adam yeah so it may happen and it must happen that that pastor and flock bishop priests and laymen are not always worthy mediators and recipients of <laughs> god's grace that's for sure and that the infinitely holy is sometimes warped and distorted in passing through them mm-hmm. wherever you have men you're bound to have a restricted outlook and narrowness of judgment. Yep. For talent is rare. And genius comes only when God calls it. Eminent popes. Bishops of great spiritual force. Theologians of genius. Priests of extraordinary graces. And devout lay folk. These must be not the rule but the exception. Yep. The church has from God. The guarantee that she will not fall into error. Regarding faith and morals. Exactly. But she has no guarantee whatever. That every act and decision of ecclesial authority will, it will be excellent and perfect. Mediocrity and even defects are possible. Well said.
1: Yeah. yeah. He says the popes are fallible in ways that they are in important for Catholics to keep this in mind as the fact that the popes are infallible when speaking ex cathedra. Many well-meaning Catholics have forgotten this truth. That's why we want to bring it up or appear to want to suppress it. When recent popes have said... Are done strange or even manifestly unwise things? Their apologists have refused to admit it. No, 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 no. They have tied themselves to a logical knot trying to show that the questionable statement or action is perfectly innocent or even convey some deep insight. If only we would be willing to see it. Boy, have I heard that. Go ahead, Jess. Mm. Continue. And Captain. Yeah.
0: H- had Catholic bloggers, and he's talking about the Pope's splainers Yep, that's it. Had Catholic bloggers and pop apologists mm-hmm. been around in previous ages, mm-hmm. some of them would no doubt have been assuring their readers that the Eastern bishops excommunicated by Pope Victor must have had it coming and that St. Irenaeus should have kept silent or that Pope Stephen was trying to teach us some profound spiritual truth with the Cadaver Synod, if only we would listen or that Pope Liberius or Honorius and John the Twenty Second were really deepening our understanding of doctrine rather than confusing the papal. This kind of spin doctrine yep. only makes those engaging in it look ridiculous. Right. Worse, it does grave harm to the church and to souls. It makes Catholicism appear Orwellian, as if the Pope can, by, f- by fiat, make even sheer novelties and reversals of past teaching, somehow a disguised passing on of the deposit of faith. Catholics who cannot bear such cognitive dissonance may have their faith shaken. Non Catholics, repulsed by such intellectual dishonesty, will wrongly judge that to be a Catholic, one must become a shill. Nope. The sober truth is that Christ sometimes lets his vicar err. That's right. Only within limits, but sometimes gravely. Why? In part, Because popes, like all of us, have free will. But in part, precisely to show that, as Cardinal Ratzinger put it, the thing cannot be totally ruined, not even by a pope. Those are consoling words, so stay with us. We're going to finish that and then get right back to
1: our next topic. Stay with us, family. You're listening to The Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We'll be back in a moment. Wow, Jesse, we're back. Lots of people are commenting on what you just said at the end about the Pope. Did you want to add anything else to yeah, that?
0: Yeah, the only thing that I want to add is this, Terry, is that re- you, you always say it, but it's yeah. worth repeating, sure. is that the 266 Popes, yeah. most of them have been holy. Oh, yeah. The majority. Uh, 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 Dr. Krasnicki says that over 100 have been holy, pious, thoughtful, uh, uh the theologians yeah. ab- uh, About a, a, over a hundred little over a hundred yeah. uh, Some of them have just You know kind of Occupied the chair But there's only been Twenty twenty one bad ones That's not bad No Another thing I would say Is this Is that No pope Not even Peter They're not successors Of Jesus Okay The pope is the successor Of Peter Of sinner yeah. Nobody's the successor Of Jesus Right Jesus is God Nobody's a successor Of Jesus Right the popes are just successors just, of Peter, that's right, who was a sinful man, mm-hmm. as we know from the Bible. The last thing I would say is this hypocrisy doesn't nullify the truth. Just because there's been some hypocrites in the Catholic Church, even in the papacy, yeah. it doesn't nullify the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. No. Because our faith is in Christ. Our faith is Christ centered. It's not Pope-centered. Yeah. It's not cardinal-centered. It's not, arch, not archbishop centered. It's not priest-centered. It's not deacon-centered. It's not sister. None, none centered It's Christ centered Christ is a king Mary's our queen I'm his son which makes me a prince And my wife is his daughter Which makes her a princess That's right. okay? That's right. We're part of the royal family of God And our royalty comes from Christ And our lady Not from the, not, not from the apostles right. Not from the clergy Our royalty and our participation In the life of Christ comes from Jesus himself Jesse, I want to mention one
1: thing to some men that I get constantly hit up with. I know no men say this to me. Oh, I don't want to go to church. You know, I talk to them at men's conferences or they're like, man, there's so many scandals in the church. They're a bunch of, um, you know, uh, hypocrites. Why would I want to go to church? And uh, so my answer to them is always consistent. First of all, I tell them, you know, that excuse, that'll land you in hell. That's not a good excuse, dude. I'm going to tell you, man up, pull your big boy pants on. And fall deep in love with Jesus Christ. And don't be so concerned about the other guys living bad lives or examples, whether they're priests, bishops, or the pope, whoever it is. God is expecting you to man up and take your faith personally. Because this excuse that many people say, oh, like the guy yesterday at the park, oh, I'm not, I don't know, Catholic Church, there's too many, uh, here, you know, there's, there's all these bad things that are going on in the church. They're phony baloney people. I just want to say this to you right now who are listening. Tell them that's a bad excuse. You can't take that to your exit interview. It won't get you to heaven. Because as a matter of fact, it's laziness on your part to have that attitude.
0: Am I on to something, Jess? It's called the sin of sloth. And that's exactly what it is. Because it's hard to follow Christ. It takes deep oh, masculinity. Exactly. It's easy to follow the world. It takes, it if, if, that's all you gotta be is effeminate. An effeminate man yeah. follows the world. Why? Because St. Okay. Thomas Aquinas defined effeminacy as somebody who follows his passions, somebody who gives over to their passions and disorders. That's effeminacy. The, the, the definition of masculinity, according to St. Thomas of Aquinas, is somebody that fights against his disorders, somebody that fights against his appetites and, 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 and all those sense appetites that he has and mortifies his body to do the right thing. It's easier to go to the gym and punch a bag and lift weights than it is to sit and quiet your body and soul and pray the rosary for 15 minutes. Any wimp can go to the gym and punch the bag and start doing push-ups. It takes a real man to quiet your body and, and still yourself and put yourself in the presence of God and meditate upon God and pray the rosary. That takes a real man.
1: Thank you, Jesse. I call that discipline, okay? Discipline life. The culture that we're living in right now says anything but discipline. If it feels good, do it. See, that's the world, the devil, and the flesh to atta- putting a temptation to us men. Right? Yes, I'm talking to the men right now. Yep, yep. Man up, man. Yep, yep. And put your life into the hands of Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, I give my life to you. I want to serve my family in holiness. I want to get closer to you. I want to ask you every day for more faith so my faith will grow. And so if we're talking to men right now, yeah, we are. Because you know what, Jesse? the family, The way the family goes is the way the culture goes. Have you noticed that most of the families that have problems is because it's a man problem? But well, let's be honest. The Dad's not there. Or if Dad's there, he's only there physically. He's not leading the family to Christ. So this is what I have to do. This is what Jesse has to do. We all have to do it. This is what we're built for.
0: Yeah, we should walk around our house saying throughout the day, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, help me. Jesus, have mercy. Jesus, come to my assistance. We should be, throughout the course of our day, just projecting what's called arrow prayers to the throne of God, or what's also called ejaculation prayers. We should be doing that throughout the day. Terry, something's going on in California.
1: Oh, it's a pretty good Which has the
0: liberals upset. (laughs) Good. Let's do it again. A California ski resort plans to erect the 20-foot statue of the Virgin Mary. Good. And it has some some local woke liberals uh, snow-blind with rage. (laughs) That's a good way of saying it. Mount Shasta Ski Park in the cloud will build the platform for the effigy atop its Douglas Butte this season and construct the Virgin Mary by this summer, the resort announced on Facebook. The statue is very important to owner Robert Merlo and her husband, Ray, according to the, to the Post. This statue is a promise fulfilled and a true representation of the dedication to family and that we all value so much here at the ski park, uh, Merrow said in a statement.
1: God bless them. You know, Jesse, putting our faith on the line, you know, as a matter of fact, what we just did, uh, the putting of the nativity scene in front of our, our house for the Christmas season keep, and by the way, everybody, keep them up, don't take them down after Christmas. Yeah. We're in the octave of Christmas, but yeah. it's a witness to your uh, to your uh, to your folks in your neighborhood, okay, to see that you believe in Jesus Christ and it's not about putting Santa Claus or Frosty the snowman, but you have the nativity scene, it's all about Jesus. This is a, another way to make that witness very clear in a culture that acts like God doesn't exist.
0: That's right. So, um, the, uh, the, the people that are putting the statue of ble- the Blessed Virgin Mary mm-hmm. said the following, The goal is not to focus on any one religion, but to acknowledge and honor the beauty and spiritual power of the mountain we all love so much. However, many locals do not share the same sentiments, saying the Virgin Mary statue will offend those who are not Christian. Yeah. Mount Shasta Ski Park in McLeod, California, plans to erect... A 20-foot statue of the Virgin Mary on top of one of its slopes. And uh, you can see, if you look at the article, you can, see, you can see the picture. And I can't wait till they do that. Yeah. Many locals are outraged about the statue's installation and nearly 1,700 people have signed a petition to stop its construction.
1: Yeah.
0: A petition which has nearly 1,700 signatures aims to stop the statue's construction. But uh, Joe Skibum... He wrote he's one of the he's one of the petitioners creator. He said this many of us have been skiing at our beloved local ski park in Mount Shasta since childhood. It's always been a place of joy, unity, and natural beauty. However, recent efforts to erect a religious statue threaten to disrupt this cherished environment. Close quote. The religious icon currently under construction threatens to alienate members of our diverse community who do not share the same religious beliefs. So Joseph Skiboom This leftist who created the petition says people already appreciate the natural beauty and spirituality on top of the Douglas slope without intrusive religious icons disturbing the environment. So Joe Skibum, this leftist, this woke leftist, went on to say that people already, again, uh, other critics took took to Mount Shasta's social media post, especially after comments were shut off on the post Announcing plans for the Virgin Mary statue with several urging the part to honor the Native Americans who once called the mountain home. So, the article says, what do you think? Post a comment. Maybe erect a statue showing respect for the Native folks killed by, the, by, killed by religion who were there long before y'all owned the mountain. One of the, these leftists wrote yeah, on Instagram. Sure. Yeah, and somebody else wrote, given the deep native American history to that area and the long mysterious... Lemurian believes it would be a shame to add this statue if you want a Christian remembrance for your late husband place a plaque at the lodge Another person said keep religion out of skiing and somebody else Joe Skubham and others have asked the ski park to stop the Construction of the religious monument uh, And so I hope Catholics weigh in on it and give their opinion Terry yeah,
1: absolutely and you know what Jesse this has been one of the Problems with us We've been so sensitive yeah. To say, oh, oh, I don't want to offend somebody. Can I tell you something, Jesse? The gospel of Jesus Christ is going to offend people. Yeah. Okay, that's just a, and you know, just like people tell us, Jesse, Terry, you offend me on the radio. You said X, Y, and Z. Turn the dial. Yeah. Okay. If you if because we're not going to change the gospel message because someone says I'm offended. One of the problems in our culture right now is we don't believe in objective truth. See. We believe that everybody has their right to speak and say whatever they want to say, except if you're a Christian. So I just think that we as Catholics need to step up right now and say, you know what, this is our belief, this is our practice. And and I would just say this, I've had people here at the church, I'll give you an example. They come into the church and they want to rent the church to use it for their, uh, what I would call, uh, offensive things that they want to use them for, and I said, no, we're not going to do that. Or they come in, we want to have a Protestant funeral, but you got to get rid of those statues because you know we don't like that's graven images. Well, then you don't rent the chapel from us. You see, it's a free country, and I think that this is the attitude we need to have. More of saying we're going to put our religion out. We're not going to keep it hidden. We can talk about our Catholic faith. This has been. A challenge that i think for the last 50 years we haven't done enough jesse your thoughts
0: yeah terry um if, if people get offended because yeah. they hear the gospel guess what yeah. maybe they needed to get offended
1: you think <laughs> i think so as a matter yeah. of fact jesse you know how many people have told me over the years that it was they were offended by us but they kept listening and then they said oh my gosh these guys are they're right i have to change okay You know why? Because we didn't compromise. Stay with us, family. We're going to talk more about how to evangelize your family in the new year coming. Jess and Terry, the Terry and Jesse Show. Stay with us. Up after us is the Bible with the barber. Stay with us. Right back.
2: Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call (laughs) 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and
1: Jesse. <laughs> Terry and Jesse. Hey, Jess, we're getting texts from our brothers up in Northern California to say, Hey, brothers, Terry, Jesse, powerful show to end another year.
0: <laughs> so, we... well, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm, Terry, I'm going to give him some power preaching right now. <laughs> Go ahead,
1: brother. How do we evangelize the family, brother?
0: Yeah. Let's hit it. Well, uh, uh, Fulton Sheen said in this recording I yeah. heard years ago, he yeah. said that all, we know that God's a trinity of persons, Father, right. Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. But the reason, Terry, that we can, we have this, this pull towards Jesus, yeah. the second person of the Trinity, is because only the second person of the Trinity became a man. So there's an identification with us humans and him. We've, we watch the movie The Passion. We watch The Christmas Story. Sure. So humans are able to identify with the second person of the Trinity because the first person and the third person didn't become men. They're pure spirit. Right. And that that's why the, the Christian, Catholic, Protestant, Orthodox, there's this, this draw to Jesus. Yeah. And 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 I want to challenge you. We have to know Jesus. To get to heaven, you have to know him. Right. And 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 the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings. Amen. The Bible says he's the Lord of Lords. Amen. The Bible says he's the king of righteousness. Amen. The Bible says he's the king of the ages. Amen. The Bible says he's the king of heaven. Amen. The Bible says he's the king of glory. <laughs> yep. The Bible says he's a sovereign king. So my question is, do you know him? Yes, that's the big question. Do you know him? Amen. And what I mean by that, do you, do you know his divine mercy? Do you know his limitless love? His arms, his sacred heart are enduringly strong. He wants to hold you. And guess what? He's entirely sincere. He's right. sinless. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortal. He's powerful. He's merciful. My question is, do you know Jesus?
1: That's the ultimate question.
0: He's the greatest phenomenon that ever crossed the horizon on planet earth. He's God's son. He's the center savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. Ain't nobody like him. He's unprecedented. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. And guess what? He's the only qualified person to be an all-sufficient Savior. My question is, do you know Him? He supplies strength for the weak. He's available when you're tempted and tried. He sympathizes with sinners and He saves us. He strengthens us with the sacraments and He sustains us. And He guards us with His Holy Spirit and He guides us. He heals us. He cleanses lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. (laughs) He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. He beautifies the meager. And my question is, do you know him? Jesus is the key to knowledge. He's the key to wisdom. He's the doorway to heaven. He's the pathway to peace. My question is. Do you know him? Jesus. His love never changes. His mercy is everlasting. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. And his reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. Jesus is irresistible. I can't get him out of my mind. I can't outlive him. And I don't want to live without him. Guess what? The Pharisees. They couldn't stand him. They tried to get rid of him. They couldn't. They found out that death could not hold him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death can't handle him. And the grave can't hold him. Praise God. That's our king. King Jesus. That's our king. I invite you to pray with me right now. If you want to know Jesus, I invite you to pray with me right now. In the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ. Son of the Almighty Father, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, Lord. I need you. I need your church. I need your sacraments. Lord, cover me with your precious blood. Lord, draw me towards your sacred heart. Lord, I thank you for giving us the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Mediatrix of all graces, how I need her in my life. Lord Jesus Christ, Send your Holy Spirit upon every single person that's listening to this radio show right now, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come by the powerful intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, your most chaste spouse. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, come into my heart heart in the name of the father son and of the holy spirit amen
1: jesse what a way to end the year asking people to fall deep in love with jesus christ and his bride the church mary danielle was here in the studio a i'm in studio b mary i'd like to bring you on because i know that what jesse just said touched your heart did it not
2: amen amen and that's the crux of it all isn't it yes that's where it is. And this is what our this season is about, too, that we're celebrating That's right. now. That's right. He came. He came as an infant. But we're not just remembering that. Oh. He comes to us in the Eucharist, and we're looking forward and praying for yes. and hastening the day yes. of his second coming. Amen.
1: Amen. <laughs> hey, Mary Danielle, I have to say this. I was going to talk a little bit about you know the evangelization of our family. And I mentioned to our listeners that... Little uh, grandson, who's three and a half, almost four years old, was in the car with you and I coming back from the park, and little Bo said, Grandma, how does God take a soul to heaven? Wow. And I said to Jesse, I said, Jess, you know, when he asked that question, it's just so beautiful for us. It, it really edified both you and I, Mary. Yes, it did. And and again, it's because when you talk and you evangelize the family, and this is they know that our center is not on... Oh, we got to get a bigger house, more vacations. It's about falling in love with Jesus. It's about how we can have this relationship with Jesus. And I, I just share that story. But Mary, how did it affect you as a grandma when your grandson
2: asked you that question? I was kind of shocked. And then um, we said, well, he just calls people to heaven. And, and Bo said, but how can you walk to heaven? Yeah, that's right. And I'm like, this isn't just, a, I, this kid is thinking. He's, He's thinking it out. And I said, well, actually, um, the body dies and God calls us yep. to go home. Yep. And Bo went on to ask, well, how? How can this be? And I said, well, Bo, do you remember in the, you know, in the scriptures where Jesus calms the storm? Yep. You know, he feeds the people. When there are 5,000 people, he feeds them with a few loaves. Because God speaks the word and it happens. That's right. And then Bo just, he thought about that. Yeah,
1: it's just, to me, I I, I say this because my good friend Steve Ray is going to be on, I think, the 4th of January with me to talk about these things. And uh, because he he has a great uh, uh, extended family, big family. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about just that. Because let's be honest, Jesse, what's more important for you and I as fathers to get, other than getting us to heaven, our family, don't we all want to have our families Get to eternal life with Jesus Christ. If we don't, then we don't know Jesus. That's my take. Amen. Your thoughts, Jess?
0: Yes, uh, Jesus is the reason for the season. But not only for the season, Jesus is the reason for life. Amen. Yeah, w- w- without Jesus, life makes no sense. Yep. yep. Yeah, without, without, you know, uh, when I think about Jesus, Terry, 2,000 years ago, God the Father was probably looking on planet Earth and he probably says, <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Planet Earth doesn't need another another politician. They nope. don't need another doctor. Exactly. They don't need more entertainers. Nope. They don't need more athletes. They don't need more dentists. What the world needs is a Savior. Amen. And 2,000 years ago, that's what God the Father sent into the world. A Savior, because that's what we need. Yep. And guess what? Money can't buy a Savior. Nope. Politics can't buy a Savior. <laughs> you know? Uh, money could buy, you know, books, but it can't buy you brains. And, and money can buy you food, but it can't buy you an appetite. Money can buy you clothes, but not beauty. Money c- could buy you a Bible, but money can't buy you Jesus. Yeah. Jesus Christ wants to come into your life free of charge. Get on your knees. Call upon him. Amen. Say, say the 4th century sinner's prayer. Get on your knees and say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the Almighty Father, have mercy on me, a sinner. Mm. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the Almighty Father, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the Almighty Father, have mercy on me, a sinner. Guess what? When you do that, Jesus answers. He's faithful. And as Catholics, we have the greater gift. If you've got mortal sin get to confession as soon as possible. After you got down on your knees and and called Jesus into your life and into your heart, go to confession as soon as possible. 2024 is going to start. Get on that treadmill of the Eucharist. every Mass every Sunday. Get on that treadmill of the Eucharist. Read your Bible every day and pray, pray, pray. Remember, the Bible says we should be praying three times a day, morning, midday, and evening. Get on that, get on that Catholic uh, workout schedule, that Catholic protocol, and let's make 2024 a year that
1: counts. And if you want your faith to grow in the year 2024 and beyond, ask Jesus Christ every single day of your life for more faith, because that's the key in growing the faith. And and Mary Danielle, uh, just before we leave, I and mean, this has been exciting. I just we're getting texted. Wow, you guys are all fired. Well, we're fired up because we love Jesus. Mary Daniel, you're going to have the Bible with the barbers coming up right after our break, after our show here. What are you actually going to be sharing with our listeners?
2: Well, I want to look at this new document, okay? Beducia Suplicans, mm-hmm. and I want to look at, at it in the context of what we're currently celebrating and Sunday celebration of the Holy Family mm-hmm. and the mm. family. And how does this reflect on yeah. the family? Right. And how does the Church teach us to reflect on the family? And what, are the, what is the biblical reflection here? On the family. Mm-hmm. Well, remember, St. John Paul II wrote a letter in
1: 94, a letter to the families, and he said, The way the family goes is the way the culture goes. And this is important. This is a coming year, right? Our last broadcast. Jesse, for the last time in 2023, <laughs> I'm going to ask you this question again, brother. What state should we be
0: living in? Let's live and die in a state of sanctifying grace. Yes. Don't live or die in a state of mortal sin, become holy. Or die trying.
1: Well said. And remember, Our Lady of Fatima said this, folks souls go to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. But you make the sacrifice, and it'll be a blessing for you to make one day a week an extra visit to the Blessed Sacrament praying for relatives or friends who are away from the church. Can you get back and pull those beads out this year and pray the daily rosary for world peace? These are action items that are powerful. And actually, the benefits are out of this world. Mary Danielle, your thoughts? Oh, she's already ready for her show. All right. Thanks again for joining us here for the year of 2023 with VMPR. May God richly bless you. And up next, The Bible with the Barbers. Stay with us. God love you.